Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
thank you every day, Lord. You know our struggle, Father. Draw us closer to you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to go to Acts chapter 8. We're continuing on in our study through the book of Acts. And I do believe that these messages are very important to us today as the church. Uh, the book of Acts really sets the tone for the church to come. And uh, it sets the pattern. How many ladies uh, have ever sewn a dress? You know, you just don't grab some fabric and start cutting and sewing. You use a pattern uh, in, in, and you stay true to that pattern if you want a dress to actually fit and look right. Amen? You know, the pattern for the church is found here in the book of Acts. Today we want to talk about sharing the gospel. And this is a message to the church for the church today. You know, telling others about Jesus is described by many different names. You know, we talk about soul winning, sharing the gospel, witnessing, outreach, personal evangelism. We use a lot of terms to describe sharing the gospel, but telling others about the good news of Jesus is the responsibility of every Christian and every church. Somebody say amen. amen. That's why the Lord left us here and didn't take us to heaven after we got saved and came to faith in Him. We're here to lead others and to share with others uh, that God is moving in this world. The word gospel is a Hebrew word and it means simply in English, good news. The gospel is telling others that the good news is God loves them, He has a plan for their lives, and He wants to save and deliver them from the power of sin. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And you and I as the church have that responsibility, but also awesome privilege to carry that to the world around us. Sharing the gospel. We're going to look at this passage today in the book of Acts. And we'll discover important principles here for reaching the lost for Christ, Christ at both a personal and corporate level. Before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, for the opportunity to be here with Your people today. Lord, what a great privilege and honor it is. And Lord, I pray for the anointing of Your Holy Spirit to communicate Your Word to Your people. Father, give us good ground to plant into today. Lord, give us hearing ears to receive that Word with faith. Father, bear the fruit in each one of our lives today that You so desire. And Lord, I thank You and we thank You together for doing just that. In Your name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Acts chapter 8, we'll see some amazing passages here. And we'll see how the early church started off in sharing the gospel. We'll see, number one, that opposition advances God's kingdom. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul was there. I'm going to stop again right there. Saul, in this passage, is the one that we know today as the Apostle Paul. Before he was known as the Apostle Paul, he was Saul the Pharisee, Saul the religious leader in Israel, and Saul was in, in opposition to the newly 
birthed church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul was in opposed opposed to the, the, the church and the spread of the gospel. He was an enemy of God at this time. And here Saul was there at the stoning of Stephen. Remember we talked about that last week. Saul was present when Stephen was being put to death for his faith in Jesus. Saul was there. And look at what the Scripture says. He was giving his approval to his death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. Everybody say, on that day. Remember that. On that day, something transpired. Something took place in the church. The Scripture says a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, you know, I often wonder, well, why did God allow the persecution to take place at this time in the church's newly formed history? Why did He allow that? You remember going back to Acts chapter 1 where Jesus was addressing those before He ascended, His followers. He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to all nations. Make disciples. But the church was willing to stay in Jerusalem. Well, there's no wonder. It was Things were good there. It was their hometown. They were comfortable there. People were responding to the Gospel in Jerusalem. But... They weren't taking the message beyond Jerusalem. And the will of God called for the message to reach not just Jerusalem, but the entirety of Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. God allowed persecution to come in and affect the church in a way that did a few things. Number one, it drew those who were being persecuted closer to Him. And it pushed them out from their comfort zone where they were at to move forward with the message of the Gospel, which was in line with His will. See, sometimes we we meet opposition. You know, we're looking at our society and our culture today here in the United States. And I'm not preaching to someone on the other side of the world. I'm preaching to people who live in America. We are seeing in our country a hostility forming against the Gospel against Christianity in general. We're seeing the the society becoming an enemy of the church. And you've heard me say this in the past, and I'll say it again. I think this may very well be our finest hour in this generation. Because the church really has become complacent, by and large, in America. It's become soft. It's become comfortable. Hello? And God needs to allow, just like He did in the early church, this is the pattern, remember, persecution to move forward His agenda in this final hour. Uh, It's just a thought. It could be coming, church. I believe it is. But here, it, it did not stop the early church. These believers were persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And it scattered them throughout Judea and Samaria. Well, let's read on. Verse 3. Let's drop down to verse 3. But Saul began to, what? Destroy the church. What was he doing? Going from house to house. He dragged off men and women, put them in prison. Doesn't sound like a very good thing, is it? 
Saul thought that he was doing God a service. Remember why? And the reason I say this pertains, I believe, to our day. Jesus said when they asked him about the time, he said, men will hate you and, and persecute you for my name's sake. And there'll come a day, he said, that, that, that they will kill you thinking they're doing God a service. Is that not what it says? A man's enemies will be those of his own household. Children will turn against their own. Well, persecution's coming. Because really, God's going to put everybody in the spot. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. You know, when we're put on the spot, it's either I'm going to stand up and live for Jesus or I'm going to back down and, and shrink back. What am I going to do? Well, persecution will solve that. It'll answer it for you. Persecution. Opposition. Here Paul thought he was doing it. What's amazing, isn't it amazing that God, in spite of Saul's intentions, loves God loves Saul. He still wanted to get a hold of Saul and change it. And you know, that's how it is. The Scripture tells us, church, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Those who are persecuting you, maybe on your job, maybe in your... They don't know the Lord. Some of them may be thinking that they're doing the right thing. But you know, God can still get a hold of them too. We know God ultimately He got a hold of Saul and took him down from that high horse, amen, and revealed Himself to, to him as, as the, the one He was persecuting. But look at verse 4. Let's hone in on that. These persecuted believers became preachers of the Gospel. Hallelujah. Verse 4, those who had been scattered, they preached the Word wherever they went. Now that one verse right there, Brother Dave, that will preach by itself an entire message. Those who had been scattered preached the Word wherever they went. And that's all we can do. Amen. That's what we should be doing. When the devil starts messing, God starts... That's our opportunity, man, to begin to not shrink back, begin to proclaim the truth. Notice it's the Word they were with. Not their opinion. Not their eye. The Word. That's the weapon that, 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 that the enemy, the sword of the Spirit, that's what we need to wield, church. When things start getting tough, break out the Word. When the devil starts messing with your life, hit him with the Word. Stab him with it, man. But notice they took that Word right to that culture, right to those cities, Judea and throughout Judea and Samaria, preaching the Word. Hallelujah. Well, that's what God wanted them to do all along. But it took a little prodding to get them to that place. Amen? The little mother eagle with the eaglets in the nest. As they grow and as she continues to feed them, ultimately she has to get them to learn to fly out now. And how does she do that? And nest their way up too, huh? She kicks them out of the nest. And they, they're going to do one of two things. Can somebody tell me what that is? Splat or fly. Splat or fly. <laughs> and I imagine most of them fly. Amen. What what does God need to do to us sometimes to get us to do what He wants us to do? Put us in a bad situation. 
and say, here you go. Often we get uh, uh, under the gun, under pressure. We're like, oh God, why did you let this happen to me? You can't say amen, say Oh God, why is this? How come I'm trying to serve You and yet these things are going wrong? No, God knows what He's doing. God knows where He's got you. God knows what He... Oftentimes, He's he's trying to do a work in others through you, but He has to work on you first to get you ready so you can work through He can work through you to reach others. Amen? And that's what He's doing oftentimes in our lives. And these, these, these early believers, they could have easily just given up saying, well, you know, the world doesn't like our message. They don't like us here. You know, why God is this happening? We already know you're the Messiah. You know, we've... No, they understood that was a part of the Christian experience. That's something we don't understand today. We, 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 you know, a lot of times folks will go to a church and things will get a little, little heated there, a little up, things will start happening, and then what do they want to do? Oh, this isn't good. I better go somewhere else. No. We need to we need to hold hold the line. Amen. Grow through some things. Come on now. Realize. That God has a plan, He has a purpose, a mission. So the church, when coming under persecution, began to preach the gospel all the more. And you know, that's that's what we need to do in our lives. The only thing that'll save somebody in this world is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what they need to hear. Somebody say amen. amen. Secondly, repentance is what the world needs. It brings revival. You cannot have revival without repentance. Somebody says, you know, I look at the day and age that we live in, Pastor, and, and you have one group over here is talking about a great revival that's coming. And I, I, I'd love nothing more than to see that. Then you have another group that well, you know, we're in the time of the end. There's a, a great falling away from the faith. But I look at really what's happening in my lifetime as a, as a part of the church. I came in, I would say, 35 years ago on a sovereign move of the Spirit of God. I believe that this nation and this world back in the early 1900s received, beginning in Wales, then over to Azusa Street and Topeka, Kansas. I believe that was what was spoken of in Acts called the latter rain outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, you have others looking for another ride around. I believe that was the latter rain. And as that latter rain began to move throughout the 1900s, I got saved in that period of time, 1970s. I saw miracles being done in the church at that time. I saw signs and wonders. I was involved in some of those. Powerful time, heady time for the church. A time of tremendous joy. But over the, the ensuing years, I've seen much of that grow cold. I've seen the church change from preaching the pure gospel message of the cross to, to being more seeker-friendly, to being more prosperity-minded, earthly-minded, really carnal-minded if you really want to know the truth. 
I've seen things change in the in the church, and I've also seen the signs, the wonders, the power begin to leak out of the church as well. I've seen a de-emphasis on the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the gifts of the Spirit. Sure, there had been abuses, and there always will be as long as people are involved, but it doesn't negate the fact we still need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the church is in an hour where she's begun to become very weak and literally being pushed around. But the influence that the church at large has on our society is, is minimal at best. We see evil almost running roughshod over our land. When at one time, I know that that would not have happened. Some of the things in legislation that's been passed by the United States uh, government leaders and the, the Supreme Court would never have happened 30 years ago. What has happened? It's a sign of the times. In the last days, perilous times would come. Men would be lovers of themselves. We, we see that on every hand. But yet, maybe a, maybe a dose of persecution is in order. Amen. To help get us back on track. Somebody say, help, help us, Lord. But we still need to preach the message of repentance. And we're going to see a wonderful pattern here. Oh, hallelujah. See, we look sometimes at the church and we look at leadership and we think, well, they're the ones that have to do it all. But no, we have to understand, we are the ministry. We are the leader. Every one of us have a part to play in this. And, and here we're going to see, and we'll go down to verse 5, we'll see a man named Philip. Philip was a man who was a deacon in the church. Come on now. I look at my men here today, got Robbie and Tony and Roger and Dave. And John, these men who, who are servants of the Most High God. This could be any one of you fellas. Any one of you. Even you ladies. Look at verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And he did what? He proclaimed the Christ there. Remember Paul in his right? He said, I determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified among Hello. Philip went down to that city of Samaria. That was the, the, the bad side of town. That was the place you didn't want to go. That's where the half reads. Come on, now the Jews didn't like the But you know, Jesus set them straight on that with the woman at the well. Amen. And he, Philip certainly knew the words of Jesus, go ye into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, come on, the uttermost part of the earth. God wants to reach everybody on this earth with the good news. And that's exactly what Philip was doing. Proclaiming that Jesus was the Christ. Hallelujah. And look at it says here, I can only imagine, now remember, they had no churches or facilities set up for that. This is just at the beginning. He probably went to the watering hole, maybe like Jesus with the woman at the well. He probably went to the, the trading post or the, the marketplace. Who knows where, but he would start up a conversation. And before long, what happens when you start conversing with people? You, you draw a crowd. And here we see a little street preaching going on. Amen. By the deacon. Glory. You want to get a crowd? Just go out to Walmart somewhere and start handing out tracts. Glory to God. Start telling people about Jesus. You'll get a crowd. Oh, particularly Walmart. My goodness. Might even draw the spandex crowd in. I don't know. The tattooed crowd. All that. You know, just let them have it for Jesus. Amen. God loves them. Hallelujah. 
But Philip was down there. And when the crowds heard Philip, verse 6, and saw the miraculous signs that he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. Now notice, God confirms His Word with signs following. Now if we don't see God's the signs anymore, maybe we're not preaching Him. Come on now. Maybe the church today is preaching something other than the Word because there's no signs. Or we're out there, we got all these, we're promoting signs rather than the Word. Sometimes we get the cart in front of the horse. The Bible said, These signs, Jesus said, shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out demons. In my name they'll speak with new tongues. In my name they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, These signs shall follow them that believe. He didn't say them that believe should follow these signs. Hello? Things become a circus-like atmosphere in some of these, quote, meetings that take place. No, God wants to reach people. He has a genuine desire to minister to the needs both physically and spiritually to the, to the people that He wants to save. Amen? Amen? And those signs will draw people to Jesus. Not to the person that God is using as a vessel, but to Jesus. It points to Jesus. They can see clearly that... It, it, Philip was here. Many people would ask, well, why, why would God use somebody like Philip? Because he was usable. He was ready. He was available. He was willing. He was obedient. And, and he had the right character of a person that God could use. And use in a mighty way, I might add. Some people he can't use. They draw attention to themselves. Or they colorize what God was saying. Or they wouldn't fully obey what He wanted them to do. But no, Philip was... Give it over to the Lord. He was giving, giving himself over to serve Him. And that's the kind of man God can use. Amen? And He used him in a powerful way. And then and, and they saw, they saw with their eyes the signs that He did. They paid close attention to what He said. And look at verse 8. The result of the proclaiming of the Gospel in this city. So there was great joy in that city. Oh, hallelujah. People were receiving Christ. That's what they now this we're talking about a city that was full of uh, pagan worship. Uh, they, they, they were caught up in religious religiosity of the Jewish Samaritan type religion. Remember Jesus dealt with that? What mountain do we worship? Come on. Getting all caught up in religious things, but 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 they heard the pure message of the gospel, saw the signs following. And they readily received the words that Philip had to say. They received Christ. Hallelujah. And we're going to move on into another verse that's very pertinent to this. And I, and I want you to catch this very clearly. Why is there a Pentecostal church? Why do you, Pastor, identify with Pentecost. Why do I call myself full gospel, Pentecostal? I don't use the word charismatic. It has other meanings to it. Uh, Spirit-filled is a good term. Why do I use that terminology and associate with that group? Why am I not Baptist or, or, or Methodist? That's, that's what I guess is a better... Now, number one, I consider myself a Christian. And I don't consider them non-Christians. But here's a distinction I want you to see. Biblically, not my opinion. 
But you see it right here in the Bible. Why is Pentecost important? Philip went down to Samaria preaching Christ. That's what every believer is supposed to do. They got saved. That's why there was so great joy in the city. They were delivered. I use modern colloquialism. They were delivered from drugs. They were delivered from the crack pipe. They were delivered from alcoholism. They were delivered from sexual depravity and moral depravity. Come on now. They found freedom in Jesus Christ. They were born again. Hello. Yes, amen. And that will bring great joy. You remember when you first got born again? Oh, hallelujah. I couldn't help but hug everybody. <laughs> I couldn't help but had a grin on my face. It wouldn't go away for months. Come on now. I was just so glad I was saved. On my way to heaven. God forgive me of my sin. Hallelujah. And that's where they ran. But look at verse 15. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 14. <laughs> and when the apostles in Jerusalem heard... Can you imagine? Look at this for a minute. Here, who was the apostles in Jerusalem? That's Peter and John. And James. Okay. They heard. God's using Philip the evangelist, the deacon. Now he becomes the evangelist now. <laughs> Philip the deacon is now the evangelist. And, and he's preaching Christ. And people get saved. They, they heard that from Jerusalem where they were under persecution for their faith. And look what it says here very clearly. They heard they accepted. They sent. That is the... They sent Peter and John to them. They needed some oversight. I mean, this great move of God, Jesus was doing a good job through Philip, but they needed oversight. Now, Philip didn't fight them or say, hey, this is my revival meeting. God's doing okay without your help. No, 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 no. He recognized the authority there. He recognized there was that, that God was wanting to do a greater and deeper work. So they sent Peter and John. You know, let me tell you something very, very carefully. I can only preach to you what I know. Man, I can't take you higher than me in anything in this book. I can only bring you as far along as what I know of this book. And there are men who know a lot more than me. I'm just telling you straight up. There are men who have greater knowledge, greater gifting, greater talent than I'll ever have. But I can only take you as far as I can take you. And really, that's all Philip could do. I mean, he got him into the kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. But look at here. When they arrived, verse 15, that is Peter and John, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They didn't have a Pentecost experience. Now notice, they had been baptized into Jesus. Now I believe that's a reference to being baptized into the body of Christ. They had, listen, listen carefully, don't misinterpret it. They had the Holy Spirit in them, or you can't be born again without that. When you're born again, He lives in your spirit. But, notice it says clearly, the Holy Spirit had not come upon them. Big difference, isn't it? Two different things. They were saved. Now that's 
three-fourths of your church world today. Church, come on. They believe in Jesus. That's as far as they can go. You say, well, why doesn't the Holy Ghost just break out in one of these non-Pentecostal churches? Because they can't take them farther than what they've got. Generally, if that happens, somebody else from outside that's got it will go in and proclaim it and pray for them and, and, and God will move through that vessel. You, I can't take you higher than where I'm at. And, and Philip couldn't do it either because he needed the power. Come on now. The people needed the baptism. Now look, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. Notice it says any of them. And they had just been baptized into the name of Jesus. And what what took place? Verse 17, Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they they did what? They received the Holy Ghost. Now, he's not talking about receiving Jesus into their heart to be saved. They've already saved. An unbeliever can't can't receive the Holy Ghost. They have to receive Christ. They needed the endowment with power, a personal Pentecost experience, so they could be the witnesses God called them to be. Somebody say amen in this. That's why there's a difference. You say, why? Well, well you, are you against other? No, I love my brothers from other... <laughs> they just need to go a step further. Hello? Well, our doctrine teaches that when we become a believer, we receive everything. Well, that's your doctrine, brother. That ain't the Bible. I'm reading right out of the Bible. This is the pattern. God never... Well, we teach here in the Second Baptist Church the uh, doctrine of cessationalism that uh, all miracles and signs ceased with the apostles' death. Where's that in the book? So we need to get to the book. We need to go to the book. Miracles ceased with the apostles? No. Well, I've seen y'all Pentecostal folks. Some of y'all like that. It doesn't negate the fact because some people act crazy. It doesn't negate truth or your ability to receive truth. They received it with gladness, the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what I want you to see there. That, that Philip, in sharing the Gospel, was willing to go and to proclaim the Word. The people... And, and, you know, a witness like that leads to salvation, friend. And new believers need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That has never changed and it won't change until Jesus returns for His church. Hallelujah. Now we're going to look as far as sharing the Gospel. Uh, We're going to go down to verse 26. And we're going to move into another gear. And this is amazing really amazing Scripture here. Verse 26. We're still dealing with the man Philip. And you got to love this guy, man. you got to love his... I love his spirit. I, I love his way of reacting and moving in God. It says, The angel of the Lord said to Philip... That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Why didn't the Holy Spirit just tell him? Or why didn't he have a... The angel of the Lord... God sent an angel... Working with this man in the church. And he wasn't an apostle, and he never became an apostle that we know of. But he was one of the most powerfully used men of God in the New Testament. 
And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Again, why, why Philip? Why not James and John, the big guys? We expect them to do supernatural thing, but actually they walked with Jesus, knew Him personally. Why Philip? Again, I think Philip had the right characteristics. Now, remember, we're reading these Scriptures today from the point of history. This is history for us. It's already taken place. It's already been written down and chronicled. And we now can look back over almost 2,000 years of history and see things that Philip could not have seen or known at that time. Could not have known. And, and why do I bring that up? Because what God wants to do in your life today, what He wants to do through you today, you cannot see beyond tomorrow. You just cannot see from where you are today. You cannot anticipate what God will do through you and why He asks you to do certain things. Think about that for a minute. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Why do I go to that little church with six people up there? I don't know why. And the pastor might be, why do I preach that church over there with all But God is moving. Amen. God is speaking. You see, you might only get what you're getting here. And God wants you to get something. How'd you like to have been the pastor of the Apostle Paul before he was the Apostle Paul and been able to impart things into his life? We don't know his name, but God does. Hello? Here, look, look at this very, very telling Scripture here. Angel of the Lord said to Philip, and he's in, he's in Samaria, remember? In the middle of a big revival. Everything's going good, man. People are getting saved left and right. Even the apostles are coming down. The Holy Ghost is moving. People are getting filled. There's joy unspeakable and glory everywhere. And the angel of the Lord says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. In other words, Philip, I want you to leave here and go out into the desert. I mean, what was in Gaza? Nothing. Nothing. He might have told another believer or a preacher, a great man of faith, you need to go down there. And they're like, well, I ain't going down there. i got too much good going on here. I can't leave here. Why did God choose Philip? Maybe simply because he just would do whatever God said to them. That's a good trait to have. Obedience is better than... Sacrifice. Come on now. Philip didn't argue with God or the angel. He just said, yeah, that's where you say I need to go. That's where I'm going. Now what we would know from history and from this story here, Philip would meet up with one man. One man. And he wasn't all man at this point. I mean, I hate to be crude, but he was castrated. Hello? Call the eunuch. But he would meet one eunuch. And that one eunuch, that one man, would reach an entire nation for Jesus. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Philip could not have known that. He could not have seen the outcome of that encounter. But God said, I need you to go to the desert, Philip, now. Can you imagine? He would intersect him on that highway. He would intersect. You know, God sets up divine appointments, and that's what this is. When you and I share the gospel, God sets up divine appointments. 
When Jesus sat down with the woman at the well, it was a divine appointment. She would go out and reach Samaria, the Messiah. She probably laid the groundwork for Philip. They were anticipating the Gospel at this point because she had been touched by Jesus Himself. See, God is always, He has a plan and a purpose for everything. We just need to be like Philip and just be willing to go. Now look at this, verse 27. He tells them, I want you to go down in the desert from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's where they're having all that trouble in the world right now. Firing them rockets out of Gaza. Hello? There ain't nothing over there now but trouble. <laughs> there was nothing back then. Look at verse 27. So he started out. Didn't say he argued it out. <laughs> he said he started out. Amen. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now look at this guy here. He was an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he was a believer in the God of the Jews, and he had been in Jerusalem at that time to worship at the temple and to meet as, as all Jews worldwide would go. The temple was still central at this time in Israel. Now, why did God... Uh, Moved the church along, we know now from history again, because we know that after after the cross and the resurrection, 30-some years would go by and God's judgment would fall on Israel for rejecting their Messiah. The temple would be destroyed and it's still not there. The Jews would be scattered among the nations. Only at a time of the end would they be regathered and put back in the land. So we know we're in the end time. We're waiting on the temple. There's been talk that a temple agreement has been reached in Rome for the rebuilding of that edifice. If that's true, friends, we're not going to be here very long. The church age is going to close out very soon. We still have a job to do, and that is to share the Gospel. Can I get a witness? And Philip was willing to go, and he met up with this Ethiopian eunuch. It says, verse 35, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture. Now here the he, he walked up alongside the chariot and jumped up inside and, and the, the eunuch was just happened to be reading Isaiah 53. <laughs> happened to be. Divine appointment, my friend. And Philip, he began with that Scripture. He told him what? The good news about Jesus. He told him who Jesus was. That, that scripture you're reading is talking about the one who would come, the Messiah, who would give his life and suffer for our sins. But he, he rose again. I'm here to tell you, I, I'm a witness of the fact that he's still alive. I, I just came from Samaria. People were getting saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. God's been doing miracles and signs. I'm sure when you were in Jerusalem, you heard about that. You probably heard that we're usurpers, but no, 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 it's, it's real, it's truth. And, and the Ethiopian eunuch, all he could do was say, well, what, what, what must I do to be saved? Hallelujah. You know, you and I can say nobody. It's God working through His people that brings people to faith. I have had the privilege of praying for a number of people to accept Christ into their life. And what a glorious experience that is. But it's Christ who does the saving. It's Christ who does the work inside and the preparation inside. We just co-work alongside with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He's the one that wins the case. Remember, Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost. Why do you say that baptism is so important? Because without that, you can't reach nobody. 
It's almost impossible. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the groundwork. Why did Jesus say you need to wait for that? Because He said the Holy Ghost will come. He'll convince, convict, and reprove the world. That's His job. He, he, he convicts people of their sin. Paul was there watching Stephen be stoned. But the Holy Spirit later on, when, 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 when Paul would meet Jesus on the road to Damascus, he said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. In other words, your conscience has been pricking you. You know that you put an innocent man to death. Why? The Holy Spirit was working on Saul at that time. He's worked, he worked in your life before you came to faith. Convinced. He had to convince you Jesus was real and He was the Christ and He did die for you. He convinces you of that. Man can't do that. The Holy Spirit does that. Convince, convict, and reprove. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming on a sinful world. You, you would not even realize that unless the Holy Spirit. See, He's striving with you. The Holy Spirit strives with man. He was striving with the Ethiopian eunuch. But the Scripture says that my Spirit will not always strive with man. See, to get saved is an act of God. It's a miracle. Where God Himself, He just works through a vessel, one of His people, as a conduit to reach out to others. And we need to just be willing. I mean, Philip, can you imagine? He was just along for the ride. And have you ever felt that? I felt that way at times. Lord, thank You for letting me see this. Thank You for allowing me to experience this. I don't deserve that, but thank You for blessing me and putting me in a position to see. You know, to lead a Jewish man to faith, that's a, that, was, that just blew my mind. A man who was openly hostile toward me. And then see him say, you're right, I need Jesus. And, and, and pray with me. I, I didn't do that. God did that. Hallelujah. So Philip was there sharing Jesus. Now look what he said here. They traveled along the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Here the man got saved and baptized. Praise God. All in one afternoon. God set it up. And then if you finish out the story, and I encourage you to do that, we'll not do that here this morning, but if you finish it out, you realize God harpazoed Philip in and then He took harpazoed him out to another city to go ahead and continue preaching the Gospel. How'd you like to be raptured back and forth? I got an itinerary. Now we got uh, what's that? Cruffalo Dollar needs a seventy thousand dollar jet. <laughs> Philip just needed the Holy Ghost. Come on now, Hallelujah! Amen. He flew first class <laughs> by way of Jesus. All we need to do is obey God. We see here preaching to the crowds. Philip was obedient to that. But we also see him preaching one on one. Witnessing what Jesus. And you know what a witness is? A witness is just that. You can only tell what to another person what God has done for you. I can't tell anybody what God's done for anyone else except what He's done for me. 
and how He's worked in my life. And do you know what? A witness in a court of law is just that. You tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Come on, so help me God. And, 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 and you know what? The prosecuting attorney, it's his job to convince the judge and win the case, not yours. See, a lot of times as, as believers, we think, well, if I didn't get nobody saved, I must not have done my job. No, no, it's not your job to get them saved. It's your job to witness them. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what Philip did. Now, he, the case was won here in this case. I've had that happen a few times, you know. Oftentimes, it's just a witness. They may turn around and laugh at you, or they may say, I don't believe it. But you've done your job being a witness for Jesus. And oftentimes, not just what we say, but the way we live our life is the way that we share the Gospel. It's our lifestyle. And people see that. You've heard it said over and over again, and I'll say it again, that a lot of unbelievers will never pick up a Bible and read it. But you are the Bible they're reading. They're reading you. So we need to be aware of that. Amen. And be that witness. We witness... The fact that number one out of this passage, and I encourage you to read the book of Acts, but we'll still be in that next week, Lord willing. But realize that opposition advances God's kingdom. It doesn't stop it. That's why I say as we close, we're in a time in history where we may see our best days today just ahead of us. Be prepared. Be ready. Let the Word of God let it saturate your heart and mind. Let, let yourself get excited about what God wants to do in and through you. And by all means, share the Gospel. That's why we're here. Secondly, people will repent. And that repentance can bring about change. Not only uh, in those who hear, but in an entire... Here in this case, the whole city of Samaria was turned over to the Lord. Amen. And we can see our nation turn back if people repent. Of course, you got to preach the Word, the Gospel, in order for them to, to get to that place. But you know what? If we don't see a revival, and we do see an apostasy, you and I need to just determine, look, I'm going to be the witness I've been called to be. I'm going to preach the Word. And I'll tell you that here at this church, Pastor Jerry is going to preach the unadulterated Word of God. I'm not watering anything down or making it palatable for anyone. I'm going to preach the Word. And if it's not popular, so be it. There's only one that I'm trying to please. I, I certainly would love to please you. But if I don't please Him, it doesn't matter where, where you fall in. Hello? I want to please Him. And then thirdly, we need to witness one-on-one. Follow God's leading just like Philip did. And when we're obedient we'll see the results like Philip did. We'll see the results that obedience can yield. So now that we've looked, church, at the book of Acts here in these lessons talking about sharing the Gospel, I want you to do something this week in your prayer life. Ask the Lord to kindle or rekindle in your heart a passion for lost people. Say, Lord, help me to see people as You do. Give me a passion for the lost. Look for God-given opportunities this week, church, to share the good news or the Gospel with people wherever you're at. 
Commit yourself to sharing the Gospel. Pray that the Lord will give you a powerful anointing. If Philip can move an anointing, so can you. So can you. Pray for that anointing to be upon you. Let the Holy Spirit enable you to minister effectively. Say, Lord, I want to effectively reach people where in and of my own strength I cannot. It takes you, Lord. And the Lord desires, know this, to use you particularly. He desires that. You are His vessel. If not you, who, who else? Who else? The enemy like to minimize it. Well, I can't. I, I. There's no I can't. You can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. Amen. Do something maybe you've never done before. Talk to a stranger. Go into an unfamiliar place. Launch out in a new way. If you follow the Spirit's leading, He will give you what you need so that your and His mission can be accomplished. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.